Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery presents extraordinary, uncommon shrubs and trees, herbaceous perennials, and a luxurious selection of peonies. To learn more and get useful information, for example, how large things will be in your garden after five to ten years, the web address is S-O-N-G-S-P-A-R-R-O-W, songsparrow.com. Clem's Song Sparrow Farm and Nursery is a proud sponsor of Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Hello and welcome. My name is Ken Drews and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show. And I'm very excited today because we have a guest, one of the great horticulturists of all time, Tova Martin, and also one of the smallest horticulturists, as Tova has been heard to say she is the world's smallest garden writer. And she has a new book on terrariums, the new terrarium, beautiful displays for plants and nature, with photographs by Kendra Kleneff. Maybe I'm pronouncing that right, but I'll ask Tova. I'll find out. I am crazy for terrariums. I don't know what happened. I always liked them, but Tova's book came out, and now I just, I'm making them all over the house. Anything that's clear, any bottle, jar, I found a few at garage sales and at Pier 1. I found one, and... Uh, where else? I was. To, uh, you'd be surprised. Also, I find used objects, old, discarded things, any glass container, and you can either have a cap on it, a cover, or leave it open, and you can grow plants that really want a lot of humidity, and Tova's going to tell us all about that. Her book is beautiful, with beautiful photographs, and there many of them are, are taken in her home, which looks terrific. And uh, it's... It's a small world, after all, as the hideous song goes. And I look at, you can stare inside a terrarium. You'd think that there were goldfish going around in there or tropical sea creatures because you can just look there and you're... It's like a lot of gardening. Your blood pressure slows down. You feel better. Your mind wanders a little bit. And maybe you can even picture yourself inside that world, that world of tiny plants. Well, tiny plants... Dwarf tiny plants are really good. If you get a big plant and it's just a baby, it's going to fill that container. So you want to look at the garden centers and almost any plants or florists are terrific. You can find just little plants that will stay dwarf. If anything says dwarf on it, that's good. If anything says nena, that's good because that means dwarf in Latin. Sometimes you see that. But you want tropical plants because these are indoor containers. They're like greenhouses in miniature. And uh, I, I've been waiting for a book. There hasn't been a book for decades. When I wrote uh, the book Planthropology, I described the experiences of Dr. Nathaniel Ward, and that's how we got the name Wardian Case. Those were the earliest terrariums. Dr. Ward wanted to grow plants in London, and in the 1840s and 50s, because of the Industrial Revolution, it was so foggy in London, only it wasn't fog, it was smog. And all the plants he tried to grow died. Well, one day he found a moth chrysalis, and he wanted to watch the chrysalis turn into a, a full-grown flying moth. And so he put it in a jar with a little bit of soil in the bottom and capped the jar. And to his surprise, ferns and little grasses sprouted. Some of the same plants he tried to grow outdoors and couldn't because of the pollution, and they were doing just fine. And the wa the moisture in the soil would come up and bead on the glass and then drip back down. And he had a 
closed in container that was self-sufficient. Well, he realized that he had a wonderful thing for people who were traveling around the world, explorers trying to find new plants, that they could bring them back to Great Britain. In the past, they couldn't because, you know, maybe the, the cabin boy would water them with salt water or they get salt spray or temperature changes were too extreme and too fast. So the Wardian case was invented. Some people think it's Edwardian, but it's Wardian case after Dr. Nathaniel Ward. And then later we started calling them terrariums. And it can be a beautiful Wardian case, which is like a miniature greenhouse indoors, often on a stand, very popular in the Victorian era. Or it can be a glass case. And we are so lucky to have Tova joining us. Some of you may have met Tova when she worked at Logie's Greenhouses, where she was for years, probably 20 years. But she knows more about houseplants and indoor plants than anyone I've ever met. And without further ado, Tova Martin, the author of The New Terrarium, Creating Beautiful Displays for Plants and Nature, photographed by Kendra Kleineff. Hello, Tova. Oh, Kleineff. Hi. Hi. Hi, Ken. Did you ever see the movie The Graduate? Oh, of course. <laughs> you know the I, scene? I, I guess I come of a, cer- I'm a, cer- a certain age that you would, wouldn't you? Well, it's, you know, it's one of the top ten movies, I think, of all time. But there's a scene early on when so- someone says uh, at a party to Benjamin, I have one word to say to you, boy, plastics. And I have one word to say to you, Tova, terrariums. <laughs> terrariums are are hot. They are. They, you know, they've been... You open up any catalog and you find a lot of glassware, and that glassware is, you know, sometimes it's used uh, for all kinds of things, like, you know, um, sort of bathroom, um, like powder puffs and things like that. But you can use them for plants, too, and or natural objects from outdoors. Well, I was at a wholesale florist, florist supply, and et cetera, and they didn't have any little plants. They didn't have baby plants. And I looked around, and they did have some terrariums, and I asked them, are terrariums, is something happening? Are terrariums popular all of a sudden? And they said, yes, we cannot keep these little plants in. Really? And they get them every week. They get sort of normal stuff, you know, but, well, it's not that normal, but wonderful things. But, you know, that's the beauty of it, Ken, is that you can find little plants for these terrariums just about anywhere. You can find them in supermarkets. Um, they're, they're, you know, a little African violet, you put it in glass, and it looks absolutely stunning. I mean, it sparkles. Well, if it if an African violet flower starts to go, do you go in there with the tweezers and take off the faded flower or just let it drop and see what happens? Well, absolutely. You, I mean, it, it, is, it is about good grooming. And um, you mentioned tweezers, but I'm sort of a big one for um, using wide mouth terrariums. That are, are, you know, and when we're talking about terrariums, I think people should understand that it's not, you know, there's no one image of a, of a glass vessel that would work as a terrarium. Almost anything works as a term. You can recycle, oh, bases, uh, uh, hurricane lanterns, Ball jars. apothecary jars. What was that? Ball jars. Exactly. Canning jars, right. Yeah, canning jars. Um, all, you know, just about anything uh, that you can see through, you can use. Uh, people, 
you know, of course, there's the old, you know, fish bowls and, and aquariums and that sort of thing. But you can also, you know, just kind of go into your basement, basement or attic and find things that are glass and use them. There's species, all kinds of funky things. Well, I'll tell you a secret that isn't really a secret, but on, on large trash collection day, I just drive around because every kid has had an aquarium and then mm-hmm. lost the fish at some point, lost interest, lost the fish. And I've found some, even those, you know, those hexagonal aquariums that are kind of nice. I find them in the street all the time <laughs> on the roadside. Well, they're all kind of nice. And you know what? You can just put a pane of glass on top. And even, um, you know, you can buy glass for a song, really, on a song at, um, you know, some of the, the big box stores. And you can, even at the... Bessel doesn't have a cover. What you can do is um, you can take a, if you want it covered, you can take a, a glass plate. And um, a friend of mine, who's Mary Stambaugh, who's very, very creative, um, got the idea of gluing a piece of driftwood on the top of the plate so it's a handle. Oh, that's a very nice idea. Good idea. A glass plate is a, a good idea. I've, I've been looking for the candle pillar candle bottoms you know they sell a round disc in some a lot of the stores because candles are so popular and they sell these little saucers kind of with a of thick edge and they're heavy thick glass and if you if you can get one big enough for your container a round container because i mean you mentioned a pane of glass but the challenge is a lot of these containers are round exactly a a plate's perfect and a can a pillar candle holder candle holder is perfect that's really good. You know, I've been doing a lot of these lectures and workshops, and, and everybody has great ideas. You get this going. That's the beauty of it. It's, it's really, what it is, is designing a garden in a very, in a, in a small vessel, but the beauty of it is that you can do it in your windowsill, at your elbow, in the summer, in the winter, you know, no matter where you are and what time of year it is, and it's your little outlet. Well, your book is beautiful, and a lot of the pictures in the book are, I, I guess, for want of a better word, about decorating, about using terrariums. And if, uh, in the book, you know, looking through it, it makes me think that terrariums are fantastic accessories, but in the past I've always thought of them as fantastic opportunities and sometimes hospitals. <laughs> but uh, I, I've done it for fun and haven't even thought about how beautiful they really are. But I also think it's perfect for people who live in apartments, people who travel. It's perfect. You can go away for a weekend or a week or really you can go away for a month with some of your terrariums and they will be fine when you return, don't you think? They absolutely, you know, um, they're great for weekenders. They really are. They're ideal for weekenders. They're great. You know, I, I, when I first started working on the project, I suddenly got very excited and called the photographer, Kendra, and said, Kendra, you know, this is, like, perfect for even people in work cubicles because um, it, it does, you know, allow you to grow plants in in." all sorts of environments that wouldn't, the the less than ideal environment, because what a terrarium does by definition is it is a um, sort of like a chamber that keeps the humidity up 
and um, and and also um, it, it you don't need for the plants that are ideal for this you don't they don't want or need bright light. Mm. Um, a terrarium actually will heat up if too close to the panes, very much like a closed car. Right, right. It seems to me, I don't know why this is the case, but it seems that plants that need more sun in a room seem to do as well in a terrarium with a little bit less sun. I don't know if it reflects in the glass or how that works, or maybe it's just the humidity is so wonderful for them, but it is all about humidity. I found that too, Ken. You know, I really have. Uh, People will say to me, uh, for example, we were working with um, Mule and Beckia the other day, and and somebody said, but that... It's from Australia, you know, it needs a lot of light. And I said, you know, it does great in a terrarium. It really does. Well, we are speaking with Tova Martin, who has been gardening as long as I have. (laughs) And her Mm -hmm. new book is The New Terrarium, Creating Beautiful Displays for Plants and Nature. And we'll be right back. Stay with us. Hello again, and thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drews. I'm your host of Ken Drews Real Dirt, The Garden Show, and I am speaking with Tova Martin, plant enthusiast, horticulturist, par excellence, the really one of the great American horticulturists and gardeners. And she has a new book, The New Terrarium, Creating Beautiful Displays for Plants and Nature. And hello again, Tova. Hi, Ken. Oh, it's, it, the book is so beautiful, and... I see these terrariums in your in the room settings, and some of these are in your own home, which looks fantastic. I want that twig table, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the phone, too. <laughs> but uh, you have, sort of have call waiting for your terrariums in one of the photographs. But uh, not only are the rooms decorated beautifully, but the terrariums are decorated incredibly. And I'd love you to talk about how, how you create these universes under glass. It really is a small world. It, it, it. What you can do. I mean, you can, you can do anything you want. It's, it's just the limits of your imagination. But I created, you know, little, little scenes in them. I, sometimes, it, I, for somebody, I've just created a series of, of little, um, you know, kind of scenes with little trees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you can also just put some pieces of, of bark, I mean, things you find along the sidewalk, on your walks, um, any, anywhere. You don't have to go into the woods or anything. You can just find them along the street and um, bark and, and wonderful little pieces of, of wood, um, little uh, stones with perhaps lichen on them. Pine cones? Pine cones. Shells. I love shells. Shells. No matter exactly. Do you know, you just, it's amazing when you start looking. Um, seed pods, like um, little um, little sweet gum balls and things like that. Something to do with all those sweet gum balls that fall. Um, and and you can put them in, and it becomes a bit a little piece of of nature, 
by your side. You don't even have to use living plants. Uh, It's fun to use living plants because they grow and you have the sense of nurture. But you can you can just make a nature scene, and it it can change with the seasons, or it can be a reminiscence of a past season. Well, and then you you don't have to worry about light (laughs) at all. Exactly. Then you can put if you don't if you're not growing plants. You don't even have to think about that. You can just have your little, um, you know, what, whatever you've collected. Um, we don't collect um, birds' nests because they are, um, you know, they could be recycled by birds. But um, we do, I, I often put faux birds' birds right, nests in them. I was going to say, because you see them in the floral supplies and the florists and, well, even the box stores sometimes if one goes to those, you can see things for, for decorating and fake eggs and things like that. And all kinds of things. I mean, really, what you find outside and fill your pockets with when you're taking that walk. It that's what that's. This is a place where you can put it, and if it's closed, you don't have to worry about all the creepy crawlies escaping into your house, <laughs> or the dust getting in. Exactly, exactly. It's it's, it's kind of a a very confined little unit, and it, it's a window on. I call it a window in the world, oh. really. Do you have any idea why it's not called terraria when you make it plural? I don't know. And it's I such a pretty word, terraria. I, I've said it a few times, and it sounded so clumsy, and it looked so stilted. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's unended. It does look yeah, shortened. Yeah. Well, this is we've been talking about terrariums, and we've been talking about terrariums kind of 101, and I would think that terrariums 201 would be orchids under glass. I've had plenty of trouble growing orchids in my not-humid home, but the terrarium is obviously, especially if the orchid is not too big, mm-hmm. ideal. So can you talk a little bit about growing orchids under glass in these small well, containers? Well, um, I've done... I've, I, my favorite is the, um, the the tropical lady slipper orchid. The um, the the papillums, um, I find they do really really well in in the terrariums. And I also do oncidiums. Um, you, there's these wonderful miniature phalaenopsis, the moth orchids. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of this, um, the the general overarching theory, is that you, uh, what you're doing is you're increasing the humidity um, in, this, in this sort of chamber. And orchids, of course, love high humidity. And um, in my case, um, which is, I guess, I, I, I think not your case so much, Ken, but in my case, my home is, shall we say, chilly. And, no, no, no. Um, my home is chilly. Your home is cold. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine's uh, ridiculous. So um, it it is, you know, it's a little, perhaps slightly cold for um, some of the orchids. And this is, you know, traditionally agriculturally cloches and lantern cloches, and this sort of uh, unit was used agriculturally cold frames to keep to protect plants from the changes in temperature from night to day, from day to night. So um, that's also an application indoors. It keeps, you know, it sort of moderates the temperature mm. for these 
rare plants. Um, I think one in the in the rare department. Um, I I know both of us are very fond of coniferous plants, and they do great. I actually keep my sarracenias, my my mature plants, in an open terrarium, um, a, a, an open actually jar, uh, so it can hunt. And then oh. this year it, it blossomed. Oh, I was, I was going to say this year it ate the cat. No, this year does it so it hunts and it catches things like a fly or something. It, uh, I actually have haven't actually opened it, and I hope I'm, I'm I try to keep my house as free of that sort of thing as we possibly can. But um, I, I, you know, they can hunt if they want to, and they certainly that's one one job that carnivorous plants can do for you. It's a good idea. You were mentioning the paphiopetalums, and it's it's easy to find those plants. Those are the or, the slipper orchids. You can find ones that are tropical because that's what you want. You don't want the cypripediums that are the outdoor hardy plants, which you shouldn't be growing unless they're propagated anyway. But the the paphiopetalums, you can find ones that want eighty degrees, seventy degrees, sixty degrees. You know, a little research, and you can find the ones that will suit your home's environment, temperature wise. And they, they, I find they are so willing to blossom. They just repeat, repeat, repeat. I mean, I've had some for years and years and years, and they just repeat. Um, if you don't, if you, if you, if you actually the foli- I find the foliage on many of the ones that I collect, I kind of like the Maudier types, uh, is, is very beautiful anyway, even without the blossom. They're like leopard spotted kind of. Yeah, they're pretty. Well, now, do you feed them a lot? Do you give them a lot of food? Well, here's what I um, I sort of figure in my terrarium. I what I don't fertilize them because most of what I'm growing in them, I'm trying to keep contained and small sized. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually fertilize um, my terrariums at all, and um, I think that. Also, might lead to less, um, less, you know, bacteria, you know, fungal problems oh. and that sort of thing. Um, I don't. Um, I, most of what I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to keep as a small world. You know, um, you can go in there, of course, and divide things up. And heaven knows, I'm, I'm always, you know, cutting back and, and dividing up my selaginellas, the mosses that I put in. Mm-hmm. Because they tend the tropical mosses that I put in, because they tend to be um, very rampant. But um, you know, in general, I'm I'm just trying to maintain the status quo. So it's starve a terrarium and feed your life with beautiful, <laughs> beautiful displays of plants and nature in terrariums, and you can see them in in the wonderful new book the in new terrariums. Terrarium. Well, if you want to find out more information on the book and more information on terrariums and more information on Tova, too, Tova, you have a, a website, I believe. I do. It's tovamartin.com. That's T-O-V-A-H-M-A-R-T-I-N.com. And you can, um, you can get the book uh, there, or you can get it uh, just about, uh, hopefully, at, at bookstores. You can see and it at the library. And if it's not in your bookstore, ask. Excuse mm-hmm. me? You can see it at the library. You can go to the library and take it out of your library. And, and speaking of libraries, uh, Ken, that's another thing I'm doing is um, 
I'm, I'm doing a lot of workshops with this, and they're awfully, awfully fun. And I did one at the Hartford Library. We taught the um, the the, the um, librarians of the different inner city libraries how to make oh. terrariums, and they brought them back to their libraries and taught their their students, um, their the kids groups, how to do it. And my big hope with this is that it will catch fire and, and people... <laughs> it's too <laughs> human really. to catch fire. <laughs> that if everybody just, you know, learned how to make a terrarium and taught five other people uh. how to make a terrarium, it would change the world, don't you think? Uh, I think that about all gardening. And, and certainly, if, if you, it's a good place to start. Start small, and someday maybe you can help save the world. Tova, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great, and I've been ever since I saw you lecture about a month ago. I've been making terrariums. I'm going to soon. My house will be filled, and I'm. I'd like to do one like a ship in a bottle, you know, on its side, and I will. But well, thank you again. <laughs> I'll need my tweezers though for my big hands. Yeah, you will. Okay, take care. Thank you again. Thank you, Ken. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to thank everyone out there for joining me again. Uh, You may be listening to me on the radio or you have downloaded me. It's a little painful, but I can take it. I can take it. I'm strong. Please uh, download me every week and or listen to me on the radio. And this is Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show. See you next week.